Welcome to Getting Sports with Drunk. I'm your host, Cupcake the Riddler, and I'm joined by... Mock. Sheen Washable. Nope. And the Red Baron. Meow. That was really short. I didn't like that. <laughs> uh, we are, we're currently without um, J-Mart and the man of many names, but what's more exciting than having them on the air is that we are recording from Black Hog Brewing in Oxford, Connecticut. We're here with Tyler. Hey, how you guys doing? He is the... Uh, the, what was it? Lord of Liquid. Lord of the Liquid, Which yes. is his official title. Official. Official On title. On the website and everything. Which, that's <laughs> that's awesome. awesome. I think uh, we should give him the, the golf clap for... Yeah, Lord, Lord of Liquid. Liquid. Excellent. Um, so, yeah. So, we're here with Tyler. We're at Block, Block, Block Hog. Block Hog. We're at Block Hog, Black Hog <laughs> Brewing in uh, Oxford, Connecticut. So, this is exciting. Um, I think this is everybody here's first time actually to the brewery, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Never been. Um, it's exciting because we've actually featured some of your, we do our week, our starting lineups, mm-hmm. which you've been nice enough to pour us some. Yeah. Um, but some of the, the Blackhawk beers have made their way into the starting lineups Terrific. over the past shows. So, um, without further ado, do you care to tell us our starting lineup? Yeah. So the starting, uh, starting lineup today, uh, got a couple, two from the core, um, started off with the easy rider. Um, my New Hampshire accent comes out in naming that one, <laughs> uh, but it's a uh, little five 5.5% ABV IPA, uh, just a touch of rye malt, a um, lot of uh, 07270, a um, lot of Eureka hops in there, um, kind of slight garlic, but big like kind of citrus juice going on in there in the finish, uh, and lower ABV, so you can have a couple not fall off your stool. Um, my glass here, I got the Granola Brown, um, gold medal winning uh, 2016 World Beer Cup uh, Brown Ale, uh, has a... Uh, both malted and flaked oats get you some really nice mouthfeel without any cloying sweetness in the finish, allowing me to play with a bunch of other malts, giving you some chocolate, some raisin notes in there. Uh, but again, with that nice clean finish, it's not cloyingly sweet on the finish. Um, poured a little of the Hogwater IPA for the IPA fans over here. Uh, it's kind of our uh, our lean towards the New England style IPA, the Citro Mosaic Calypso blend in there, 7%, uh, big juicy, uh, a lot of hop aromatics in it, a lot of hop flavor in there, uh, really great beer. And then uh, one of our special, uh, for where it's right around the holidays right now, so we release a, uh, this year we did a 2017 bourbon barrel age peach milk stout, which is uh, taking our coffee milk stout, um, pre-coffee, because we do the coffee into the bright tank, put it into a uh, bourbon barrel, and about 100 pounds of peaches went into that barrel as well. Wow. Um, let it all kind of ferment out and age together, and just it just adds a little holiday cheer to all your life. Yeah, I'm River, very excited. River's very happy. Yeah. That big smile. I'm very excited. So, Grinning uh, over there. Yeah, so um, Toast to Excellence to Tyler and Black Hawk Brewing for having us. Thank you, and uh, cheers. Yeah, cheers. 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 Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, it's funny listening to Tyler talk about the beers. That's everything that we want our beer review to be, and we are just so bad. <laughs> we're like, yeah, this is good. We hit all the notes. Like, I try to do that, and I just sound like an idiot well, all the time. Someone picks out the beers every week, and it's like, sometimes we get, like, crap beers. Sometimes they're really good. Steel Reserve last week. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what can you say about, oh, Steel Reserve has notes of can. Horrible. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, I, I went to school for this stuff, you know, so that's kind of like it's... Uh, it's beer. Beer is more than just opening that can and drinking it. I mean, Absolutely. there's there's a there's a science. There's an art behind it. And then there's yeah. there's things things we try to do as a brewer to get certain flavors out of it um, within the brewing process or even the fermentation process or the aging process. Every beer has many layers of flavor, and you can get them in a lot of different w- ways along the, the process of making that beer too. So, so you said you went to school for this. Where whereabouts do you go to school for brewing beer? Um, there's a lot of them. In the, in the country now. Um, I went to school in 2006. Uh, I graduated University of New Hampshire Chemical Engineering. Then I went out to UC Davis and did the Master Brewer Certificate out there. So um, one of like 
one of the better ones at the time. Um, but it was just kind of a intensive uh, seven month program, like eight hours a day, five days a week, kind of classroom laboratory and kind of learning wow. everything there is to do about the, the biochemistry and the engineering behind making beer. Um, but yeah, that doesn't, I mean, I even, but my first job started out as a keg washer. You always start at the bottom. doesn't That's matter. It. You know, you always got to work your way up and earn your stripes. But uh, yeah, I came back east and been uh, brewing professionally since 2007 now. Well, so like you, this is not something you stumbled into. You wanted to do this. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I stumbled into my homebrew kit in college. So that's kind of where I, uh, I found a homebrew kit in the back corner of the closet. Of the You know, living in a six-bedroom house with seven guys. And um, one of my roommate's older brothers got a homebrew kit for Christmas, never used it, gave it to him. He never used it. And I just found it and made a batch of beer and then bought a, my second extract kit. And it was the same amount of money I was spending on a shitty 30 rack. So I was like... <laughs> Same amount of money for 30 crappy beers. I make 50 good beers. Hey, let's just keep doing this. Um, and then it's I just, efficient. yeah, I, you know, cheap college. You got to <laughs> do what you got to do. Um, well, then I just kind of fell in love with the recipe formulation and flavors and then just blossomed from there. That's awesome. We should buy the rights to his story and make a movie. <laughs> I like Very that. Cool. But who would you want to play you in the in the movie? If we were to make a movie about your... Well, we need someone to one. grow his one. beard. I can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. I'm well, the, if it's an independent film, we have a friend, Shane, that... Similar hair color. Yeah, I'm to find my doppelganger yeah, out there. We'll yeah. have to make it like a side by side. You guys can vote on it. So, how long have you been working at Blackhog? Uh, I'm one of the co-founders. So, since the beginning, uh, Blackhog's opened in 2014. So, um, wow, I, I I couldn't believe that when I because like, I, I did some research for him and I thought it was so much longer before that. I feel like I've been drinking their beer longer than that. No, I mean it's just something where you know we hit the ground running hard. I mean we um, we took over a, an existing brewing space. Um, the space was Calvary Brewing Company. They started in 2010. Um, and then we, I walked into a 15-barrel brew house with four 30-barrel fermenters and a 30-barrel bright. So I just kept them full and kept cranking. So, yeah, we've been pushing hard since the beginning, and we've expanded since then. And I say it's paid off because you said you did, this is this is new space for you, right? Big Bigger space. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't come into the brewery since uh, August, we took over. You know, we doubled our square footage. Um, brand new tasting room we're sitting in right now with a wood everywhere and you know, new taps and new little cubbies to sit in and stuff like that. So it's just a much uh, homier space to be in and enjoy a beer. Um, and we're able to stay open longer because the old tasting room, literally where the canning line is set up now, is where the tasting room was. So if we were canning, the tasting room wasn't open. But now we're <laughs> able to like keep production going and have the tasting room open at the same time, which is awesome. And it looks great in here. Yeah, We'll have um, awesome. our, our chief editor over there, uh, Rita, she's here. Um, she'll have her post pictures. But this is probably the best idea I've ever seen in a tap room is you guys have a storage system with seating underneath it. That's awesome. Yeah, that was one of those uh, during the, the build out of the tasting room. Uh, my business partner, Jason, was like, well, I need it all the way to the pole for like the tasting room space. He's like, but I still need storage. So we kind of met in the middle and, uh, you know, we clamped some two by fours to the outside of the uh, the pallet rack here and then just started screwed a bunch of pallet wood to it and, you know, made it made him nice little cozy caves. Yeah. Um, our artist, Max Toth, who does all of our artwork for the uh, cans and all that, uh, saw the space and then he came in and did our uh, outlines of disco pig heads running down in each bay. Um, alternating colors where there's an easy rider, there's the, the swag color, there's a granola brown color, and then there's the ginger ninja pink um, in, e in each individual bay. So he kind of put his little artistic touch on it, which kind of adds some really cool character to it as well. You should call these spaces, this is a term we came up with a long time ago. It's called a hog hut. And it's more appropriate <laughs> here than anywhere. A hog hut? Hog hut. So yeah. what happens in a hog hut? That's you the know, question. I don't really know. We just think that's where the pigs live. But we don't <laughs> know. We were driving to Pittsburgh, and we saw all these little... They looked like dog houses, but we only saw pigs. Yeah. So hog Let's huts. Call them hog huts. Hog huts. Yeah. All right. 
That's so, all. It's just one of those things. Just got said and it stuck. Yeah. It's it's stuck. Shout out to Javar. He came here today, but I think he's the one who coined that. The hog hut. That's good. I, I could see it written right there. Hog hut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty innovative. You're looking for a job? Yeah, I, my resume's in the car, actually. <laughs> it all it says on it is graduated. <laughs> graduated. Totally graduated. <laughs> Without honors. Um, so you said, you mentioned before that uh, two of the beers here, the... Granola Brown and the Easy Rider part of the core. So, what what, what exactly is the core for for the Black Hawk line? So, Black Hawk lineup um, is a uh, Easy Rider again, uh, that low ABV um, IPA, and then uh, Ginger Ninja, which is uh, has that beautiful pink can you see on the shelf with the, the ginger holding the pink, big flowing red hair, and uh, it's a uh, it's a red IPA with uh, some fresh ginger added to it. Um, it was actually my wedding beer. Uh, I married a redhead and uh, made that first batch for her when I was the assistant brewer at Portsmouth Brewery up in New Hampshire. And uh, it was the only beer I brought with me from Portsmouth Brewery to Black Hog. And the recipe's tweaked since then, but um, it's one of the one of the beers that holds close place in my heart. Um, it then, changed my opinion because I, I don't like ginger things. And I tried it because um, it's been noted on here before. I work at a liquor store. <laughs> a lot of free samples. But I tried it and um, changed my opinion on the, the ginger thing. I I haven't really found another one I liked, so I, but I like that one. No, that's something where, like, that's been, I mean, that's uh, years and years of tweaking recipe and getting the ginger just right. Um, having that little bit of red malt in the background actually helps kind of that, you know, if you have, like, the ginger beer that you mix with dark rum to make it dark and stormy, if you drink that by itself, it's so sharp, and, like, you get that burning ginger in the back of your throat. Um, I didn't want that. I wanted the ginger to come off as almost like a hop component, like a little herbal hop component, but still, like, you could taste the ginger, but it's, well, you didn't have that burn. And um, it's finding that the, the the right ginger connection for one, so you have consistent ginger coming in, but then using the right amount at the right time to get that consistent ginger flavor going on. Mission and accomplished. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's good. Um, and one of the other, I mean, I mentioned the granola brown earlier, but yeah, it's just a beautiful brown ale. My uh, my father-in-law was one of the investors here, and uh, when I was working up in New Hampshire, I'd always come to visit. Um, well, there weren't the in-laws at that point. We were just dating. But uh, I'd always bring him a case of the uh, Old Brown Dog because I was working at, you know, Portsmouth Brewery Smutty Nose, so I had access to Old Brown Dog. And it was his favorite beer. So I made sure to I'll make sure to make you a brown ale. But um, I took kind of uh, an idea of how I used to make uh, the old brown dog. But then I made a couple of beers at Portsmouth Brewery when I was a head brewer that I used oats and made a pale ale out of them and kind of combined a bunch of different ca- characteristics of all those different beers together to make this, getting that body from the oats. And uh, again, so it's not super cloying and just really flavorful, uh, but drinking clean where you can actually drink it year round. It's not, there's no like, a lot of times you try to drink a brown ale in the summer, it's just too thick and too syrupy. And like, I didn't want that. I wanted to be able to drink it year round. And I think I accomplished it with the brown, the, the uh, granola brown. Um, one of the other cores is our coffee milk stout. Uh, I mentioned the variant, the peach variant that you're drinking now, but um, that's another one. We do a lactose based milk stout um, and then do an in house cold water extraction uh, from Jim's Organic Coffee. Uh, we use a mixture of their Wunder Brew, which is kind of a uh, medium roast, um, kind of South American. And then we use, um, two thirds that and one third of the, um, their espresso. So just a little bit of that sharp coffee note, but I didn't want to, a lot of coffee beers use all espresso or all dark roast to get a big coffee flavor. And like using it, like the whole point of the milk stout is to be soft and subtle and beautiful mouthfeel. I didn't want to like add too much acridness from the coffee. So again, not using just straight espresso beans and then doing the cold water extraction where you don't get any oils you don't get any acridness off the beans you just get the pure coffee essence really gets that it's a beautiful breakfast beer um a lot of people are starting to do the milk stout route i know um locally as well thimble island started doing a coffee milk stout but for the longest time in the liquor store like the go-to recommendation for the longest time was left hands milk stout Mm -hmm. but i've always found that milk stouts even even if they are good they're either 
like too thin, like thinner than Guinness almost, or they're too, like you said, way too sharp on the coffee yeah. notes. Yeah. So it's a very it's a good balance. Yeah, and I mean that's something. I mean, it's hard for me to be the extreme brewer and like I, like I don't like extreme flavors. I mean, I'm doing some extreme beers for extreme uh, EBF, the Extreme Beer Fest out in Boston and stuff like that. But like my my day in day out drinking beers, like what I put out on the shelf on a daily basis, like I want them to be in balance. I want them to be food beer. I want them to be like you can drink them by themselves and really enjoy them or have have a meal with them and it changes how the meal tastes and then the meal changes how the beer tastes and it's just like just kind of give you that whole experience while you're drinking it kind of like the wine yeah. type of yeah. mentality and, to and, it. and like beers beers lower abv and like a large large like everyone talks about food and wine pairings or cheese and wine pairings and all this but like a large component of wine is the alcohol mm-hmm. i mean on the low end you're at 12 percent, and then you got some huge cabs at 16 you know like, yeah. so there's there's alcohol is a big component of a wine like palette of a flavor of a wine with beer, you're talking five and a half percent. You're talking like upwards, whoa, seven percent. You know, like it's not that. So like, you get a lot more room to play with flavors. Right. You get a lot more chance to play and like pair with foods and stuff like that. So it's a, uh, I mean, that's why I really like. I am a little biased, but I think beer pairs with food much better than wine does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree because yeah. wine's gross. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I enjoy a glass of wine from time to time, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, and then you mentioned just one more core. We're actually just introducing, coming up very shortly. It's finishing up fermentation right now. We released kind of the beginning of the year here. Uh, we're introducing the uh, hog lager. So we're going to be doing a year-round lager. Um, just Such a all, good name. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, all all uh, Haltel Blanc hops and then all, all Pilsner Malt, all Haltel Blanc. Like very simple, but like subtle, but beautiful all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Just kind of have that. Craft lager in the in the mix as well. Yeah, that's exciting. A lot hog, of good stuff. Hog lager. Hog I'm lager. A big fan. It's amazing what you can tattooed. do. Hogwater. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're in this ass. <laughs> so then, so you have the other beers: the Hogwater, mm-hmm. the um, Swag, mm-hmm. and the uh, uh, Piglet. Yep. Deliciously dank. Deliciously dank. All yeah. three of those have made appearances on yep. the show. <laughs> We've been a big fan of the deliciously dank. That's been a big fan. But so, is that going to be? Is that like a seasonal thing that we're going towards, or is it? Because I've noticed that the liquor store world, we've we've carried both. We've been getting a lot of Piglet in lately. Big big fan of that, um, but is that is it a seasonal line? Is it just like a no? I mean the yeah, I mean those are I mean those are our uh, I guess our only true IPAs if you think about it. we got a, like a you know a low ABV IPA and a ginger red IPA so like the hog waters and the piglets are our true to like true to style right. IPAs um, and I mean we we brew them in rotation. Um, I mean, God honest truth, they're just super expensive to make. Yeah, one thing just because of the amount of hops we put in them, and well, I mean, what's um, the, isn't isn't the phrase on the hog water the hop lovers dream? Yeah, hop lovers wet, wet dream. Wet dream. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just it's pretty hoppy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I mean, and you know, and the hops we use are like the hard to get, expensive per pound ones and stuff like that. So I mean, the beer itself is really expensive to make, but it makes the beer better, and we're out. so it's uh, we we don't I don't want to have it on year round all the time because right. of the fact that it's an IPA, it should be drank fresh, you should be mm-hmm. able to go through it. And um, I don't want someone's experience to like buy something on the shelf that's been on the shelf for four months to be like, oh, this beer isn't good. Like, I want to limit the amount that's going out. So make sure that it goes out small amounts, like enough where like every liquor store can get a case or two and then they sell off their shelves and then someone enjoys it. And it's just kind of make sure that I keep it spaced out. And um, for Connecticut itself, I'm actually trying to alternate with between the two of Piglet and Hogwater. So they're not competing on the shelves either. So it's kind of like a, it's more of a. I've, uh, I mean, I used to say beer is 50% science, 50% art, and now I'm learning there's another 50% of business that I'm <laughs> kind of picking up on of being a, the owner of a brewery. Um, but that business side of like, you know, you got to keep it 
fresh on the shelves. How do you do that by like brewing in a certain way and like only releasing? And it's not like we're not making it. It's uh, we're just not releasing. We're only, we're making it and then releasing it to certain markets at certain times of the year to make sure that because I know that like like Connecticut will get like hog water in January. I mean, I don't have the the release schedule in front of me right now, so don't don't hold me to this. But like, you know, they get hog water in January, then like February's off to make sure it's all off the shelf, and then March they'll get piglet, and then there's you know every month of the month we kind of alternate between the two is kind of yeah. my a, goal. It's a great idea. Yeah, just kind of yeah. like keep it keep it kind of fresh on the shelf. It, it almost make, guarantees that no no customer is going to walk away with bad well, beer yeah, or old and, beer, not bad, but and that's old. something where it's like I mean I was I was a head brewer up at Portsmouth Brewery, a little seven barrel brew pub, uh, right downtown uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, uh, sister brewery, Smoney Nose, and it was. I would brew beer, I'd put it in a serving tank, and I would sit next to people at the bar drinking it, and that was as far as the beer went. Starting Blackhawk, I got this whole new appreciation of the distribution of beer yeah. and how that all happens, and I've been slowly learning that over the three and a half years we've been running and getting it um, to where we are now, where I'm trying to, I'm trying to please them without screwing over the end customer, you know, because like. I mean, we have distributors that will just like, oh, we'll take 600 cases of hog water every month. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to give it to you because that means <laughs> it's going to sit on the shelf. And then my end user, you guys buying at a liquor store or someone, there'll be a, a random log that's in the back corner of their warehouse that doesn't get, it's the last one that gets sold that finally gets put on tap somewhere that's like four months old. And like, I don't want that. I want everyone to enjoy my beer for what they are and have them as fresh as possible, and especially on the IPA world. So it's just kind of a, it's purposely that they're not always available just because of, you know, one, how much they cost, but two, I want to make sure that the end user's getting a really great experience while drinking it. So I never understood why breweries did, you know, s- certain releases, and that, that made a lot of sense. So I know it's like the end user, a lot of times you're like, oh, which just was always here, why isn't, that, that's a good reason. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, chances are, if you're you're really wanting it and wondering why isn't it here, there's, you know, a hundred other people in that, that exactly. go to that store every week that are thinking the same thing. So it's, it's going somewhere, which is good. Um, so it's kind of lucky. I mean, I, I haven't really had the ability to travel around the country long enough to stay in a place and see what the brewery scene is. But it feels like Connecticut's kind of like got to be towards the front runners of, of breweries. I mean, I mean, we're a small state, but we've got a lot. And a lot of them do distribution. A lot of them don't. But it kind of seems like a good area to be in, in terms of being a, a craft brew. Yeah, I mean, when I mean, we started in 2014, I think we were the 15th or 16th brewery that opened up in Connecticut. Um, now there's 54 or something crazy, like three and a half years later, which is great. I mean, because Connecticut was a wasteland for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember coming down from New Hampshire, which is, has was one third the population and four times the breweries already. You know, so there was just like this. There, there's the population here. There's people. Well, it's so cold they have to drink. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> all the time. Um, but no, having that. But it was like Connecticut now is like definitely every corner of the state has their own their own local brewery they're supporting. And I mean. There's just uh, and it's just really it's really cool in that way where it's starting to grow and yeah the distribution is is helpful because Connecticut's just as a as a distribution brewery we do a large large percentage of distribution Connecticut's great because I mean we're you know New York's right there Boston's right there you know like it's just we can get down to DC in three hours you know it's just like it's a good like distribution hub to get to like Philadelphia DC New York City Boston all the big places yeah uh, Portland even we're doing really well up in Portland Maine right now too so um, but yeah we're, we're trying to spread our wings a little bit. Um, just because we have the infrastructure to make a lot of beer, but I also want again people drinking the beer in the tasting room to have the freshest beer possible. Right. So I make thirty barrels of it. I'm only going to sell, you know, I'm only going to sell how many ke- like we'll say ten kegs out of that thirty barrels. So I want that other just to go out the door. 
so that when we run all those 10 days to the, fr- the tasting room, I got a fresh batch ready to put on the tasting room. You know, so going to have that yeah. cyclical keeping the beer for people to come here as best and fresh as possible. Well, I mean, it's got to feel it's got to feel good as owner and lord of liquid. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I obviously I don't have the numbers with me, but you know, working at a liquor store, there's there's some bigger breweries or some smaller breweries, especially in terms of square footage. You guys aren't the biggest, for sure. But um, I, I would think it would be fair to say you guys are second or third in terms of our total sales. That's awesome. And we're a huge liquor store. Like we have a lot. I work at Cincinnati Beverage Mart in Middletown. Yeah. And you know we're a huge store with a lot of craft beers. And in terms of local, not even local in terms of Connecticut and New England, not counting St. Adams, they don't count because they're not a microbrew anymore. <laughs> well, they keep changing the law, so the, the rules. So officially, they still are craft beer. Yeah. They, every year they make ten million more barrels, and they say they raise the, the allotment ten more barrels, so they can still. They're no longer ma- they're still not macro officially. Yeah. But quotes air quotes, quotes everywhere. But I mean, but e- even for Connecticut, I mean, you just blow a lot of the companies out of the water that are, are bigger than you, which is it's gotta be nice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been fun, and I mean, it's it's, I mean, you mentioned Sam Adams and stuff and other people and like, almost like in a c- competitive like mindset, and it's it's, it's great that like I'm happy our beer is selling. I'm, I wish everyone's beer sold well too because it's it's we're all friends in this we're all we're all fighting the the, the macro loggers we're all against Budweiser or Miller or Coors or like you know because they're still like seventy percent of the market yeah people are still drinking that and it's just like there's still a lot of beer drinkers out there that haven't came to the craft world I'll say of all the of all the beer drinkers in the world I mean more than the majority of them grew up when the the craft beer world wasn't I mean. What, like, not even that long ago, like, the number one craft beer in Connecticut was, like, or not in Connecticut, but, like, around the world was Magic Hat. And, like, now yeah. that's, like, not even a thing anymore. People, like, <laughs> nobody really buys Magic Hat, at least not where I work. It, it's <laughs> such a boom right now, craft beer. It's, it's exploded. Yeah. No, I, big, I think the big thing is that the Magic Hat was big because they were one of the like, one of the original, like, crafts and, like, people were getting into it and people were buying it. Um, and everyone talks about like like the slow food movement or the local food movement and like local and then all of a sudden that has bled into the craft beer world now where like it's been drink your like drink what's local for a long time and we're almost getting hyper local now where people are like oh I'm, there's so many breweries around me like I'm I'm we have super, we have regulars that come in three days a week to come mm-hmm. here and drink our beer yeah. and they're like this is the best beer hands down across and like they're drinking hyper local you know so it's like it's almost where it's um the the marketing of like the larger like magic hats you know they they were they were out there pint glasses with mustaches on them and everything <laughs> and like all the bars and everywhere in freaking Idaho who knows they were all over the place but like having having to distribute beer across the country just is not necessary anymore because everyone's drinking local and the yeah. farther you get away from your home base the less people want to buy your beer so I mean we're 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 definitely we're trying to distribute throughout New England. And be cover New England pretty well, and be as local as we can, and um, into a couple of the bigger cities because there's like you know there's a lot of expatriates of Connecticut that are living in DC, living in Philadelphia, and like they have their oh my Connecticut brew I can finally have, but it's like I, I don't I never I'm never gonna see Black Hog down in like Florida, like I'm never gonna distribute out to like Ohio, you know like I don't, yeah. it just doesn't make sense to because it's because there's too many good breweries in Florida now, and there's too many good breweries in Ohio to like try to even compete with that, and you think about trying to distribute out there like. How long does it take for that distributor to come here, pick up a beer, drive it over there? You know, just like yeah. just adds a whole the logistics. Yeah, the logistics it adds it adds age to the beer that doesn't have to be because you can sell it local. So. Well, to me too, because I mean, like you said, like 
you you never see you know Blackhawk distributing in Florida or Ohio or wherever, but it gets itself there anyway. Because like you said, people move, people leave, and like in the in the liquor store industry, people all the time that come home for the holidays and they stock up on three, four cases of different varieties of beer that they like from the Connecticut, mm-hmm. and they bring them back with them. And then there's no way that those beers don't get tasted by people that are from Ohio or Texas or Indiana or wherever. And it just, you know, kind of words of mouth itself around anyway. No, that's I mean, awesome. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's... I mean, like, a, a big one to think about, you know, a big is Treehouse. Treehouse doesn't even distribute. They, they're, they're you know, you wait in line all day and you get your beer, but it, it's it's nationally known how good yeah. that beer is. It's had to have gotten around. So it's just yeah. how it works. There's a big, like, beer trading community that runs around, like, the Treehouses and the... Uh, yeah. I've never been as big into the beer trading thing. It's just as I don't much know. as I like beer, I, I will not wait in line for four hours yeah. to get twelve beers. Well, it's, it's not even that. It's just like you know, there's you, you go on these websites and you look at these beer trading things, like people who like the big ones that yeah. people know, like the King Julius or whatever from Treehouse, and people are like, oh well, well, let's trade beers, and it's like I'm not getting. It's not Pokemon. I'm not. Go, <laughs> I'm not going and waiting in line to get beer so that I can trade you my Julius for your Charizard. Like it's not what I want. You know, I want. Do, I'm, do you want to do that? If you have a real Charizard, <laughs> I'll I'll get all the beer for you. But I don't. But it, I don't know. I've never been. A lot of people I know are into the the beer trading world. Like there's some like craft brew like uh, bars and stuff like that that do um, beer trading nights. And like there's a there's a place in Middletown called Hop Knot. Oh, yeah. um, they had a small little thing that was open for a while called Disco Chick, a wing place, and they had a beer trading night. And it's like if I go to a place that's you know, and I'm bringing my beer to try, I don't want I don't want to pour samples for everybody. I don't want to trade <laughs> tastings of my beer. I brought it because I like it, <laughs> and it's something worse than like bringing like if I brought this, this delicious beer, this this peach milk stout, and I poured a sample, and someone gave me something crappy, and we're trying to be pissed. <laughs> Start bringing 18 racks of Budweiser to those things. Back to the Steel Reserve. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so you mentioned before. Um, you know, it, it's funny because, like, in the liquor store world, like, we almost view sales not like as a competition for the breweries, but as a competition for shelf space, really. Because you know, certain things sell, certain things don't. But you mentioned in the brewery world, it's it's more it's more family based than it is competitive based. I mean, everybody wants their beer to be the best, but a lot of a lot of it is working together. Oh, for like you sure. said, it, it, whether it's against the macros or to promote beers. So um, we talked earlier. You said you're. You're in a current collab situation. Can you talk about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had uh, Ken Falls and Kinsman Brewing Company uh, actually come in yesterday. Uh, we, uh, the kettle is actually souring right now. We did a uh, SCOBY, uh, which is a kombucha uh, mixed yeast culture uh, that we got from Counterculture. Um, Counterculture, Counterculture Brewing or something. It's a, a new SCOBY company that's opened up in Danbury. Uh, but we got some. So basically we're using that. Uh, Scoby culture, which has some Acetobacter, it has some Lactobacillus, and kind of some of the stuff you would know, like, kind of giving like that tart, like vinegar, or, like that uh, acetic acid or the lactic acid kind of back note to the beer, um, and then I'll basically let that ferment out for three days, but then I'll um, basically boil it, kill all those bacteriums, kind of stop the souring characteristic, and then transfer that into the Disco Big fermenter. Uh, I'm going to start off with a saison yeast, uh, this primary fermentation, and then halfway through fermentation. Add in some uh, Brett C or Brett Clausianus, which is a little bit of a cleaner Brett strain. It's not as funky farmhouse. Comes off a little more tropical. Um, but uh, during the brewing process, going to add a little bit of ginger into it as well, and then some green tea. I kind of like lean towards the kombucha world of having that like ginger green tea kombucha kind of, but in beer form. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of like an idea that 
got drunkly talked about at one event <laughs> and that like turned into a bunch of emails that turned down to like, who the hell can get some scoby for us and then like <laughs> finding the scoby and then making the brew day and then just we all get together and hang out and drink drink, drink a few beers and make the beer you know it's a so it's just fun to be able to do collab brews because it gets me you know it gets everyone out of their comfort zone a little bit gets yeah. other brewers that maybe haven't been to the place since we expanded and seen our new tanks and all that and kind of get them in and see where we're at and see how to brew on a different system and like yeah it's just uh being able to have those ideas and cross-pollinate some really cool things so that'll be brewed here yeah it is yeah, it's brewed currently, here, yep. currently being brewed currently here. Being brewed, yep. so are, now because you, you're, you're the bigger of the three correct and maybe in terms of and volume wise yeah and volume wise yeah, yeah. but as like you said it's interesting because it's like you said it gets everybody out of their comfort zone and you mentioned before like the hyper local yeah. our hyper local people i mean you guys aren't necessarily all right next to each other type of thing yeah. but it'll get you know it'll be on tap and everybody's yeah, it's good i mean that's where it's like i mean you know, like the social media stuff, like you tag, like tag Ken Falls, you tag Kinsman, so you get like the people that are following them, all of a sudden see your picture, and then, the, then, Absolutely. They, and then they're like, oh, what are these guys up to? And then maybe they, on a weekend, take the drive to Oxford and come check out the new tasting room and yeah. try some beers they haven't tried. You know, it's kind of just all, it all helps everybody. And same frame for them. We're like, like our super regulars that are here three days a week are like, oh, they're collaborating with these guys. Like, let's go check out the new tasting room at Kinsman. Or like, I heard they just like Ken Falls just opened up their tasting room. Like, maybe I'll make a trip to the northwest corner. You know, just kind of like get people the drink like the drinking community out of their comfort zone too. Like trying to look at different beers and because I mean it's you try to collab with other breweries in your state or other breweries that you respect and like it's just one of those things where you get. Even your like your like they they all bring beers. I get to try beers I maybe wouldn't have tried before because they brought them along, and then um, gets our our customers and their customers kind of cross interested in each other, and just kind of helps everyone out. Yeah, oh, go ahead. It's one of those things. People are always gonna buy beer. Yeah, there. No matter. I mean, what are you saying? <laughs> I can have five dollars left, and there's a good chance it's going to beer. So I mean, to just get out there, you're competing, but you're not. They're gonna spend the money. Yeah, and it's well, you said too because like it. It's an interesting like family twist because, like, you're finding out like micro a lot of microbreweries are willing to open their doors to other breweries and come in. You mentioned before you're having a uh, barrel age fest, right? And um, tickets are sold out, so don't 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 show up. Just don't email me unless you have a ticket. <laughs> unless you have a ticket, but that's coming up in you said like two weeks, right? Yep, the twentieth. Yep. Yeah, and you're, you're how, how many how many breweries are you having here? Uh, we well, this is our second year of it. Last year we had twelve. We were trying to get like fourteen or fifteen, but a lot of people, friends and friends, and you know, so I think we're up to eighteen breweries pouring including including ourselves so wow. uh, every brewery will be set, like stationed up jockey boxes then pouring one to two different barrel aged beers and then um i'm gonna dig through our our stacks here and try to bring out some fun old stuff and try to fill our taps with as many dis, uh, excuse me as many uh barrel aged beers as i can pull out for the festival so uh really fun time i mean it's just a flat flat price um proceeds going to uh buy for the kids uh which kind of they research um uh, basically child uh, cancer, which is like there's not a lot of money yeah. going towards child cancer prevention right now because everyone's looking at the older people because that's more prevalent in the, in the, mm. as you get older. Uh, but, you know, if you could, we can solve the child cancer, that, the per, that kid can then now live a full life, you know. So right. uh, it's a cool program. Uh, Jason's been dealing with it from Casey's from, for many years, and I'm glad to be part of it as well. Um, but, yeah, we're going to have, you know, 18 breweries. We're going to have a um, couple different vendors uh, inside with like a guy who does barrel aged maple syrup. So have Belgian waffles and barrel aged maple syrup. We have uh, the drunk alpaca chicks here doing like they do all of uh, different like desserts and like snacks and stuff, all made with beer. Uh, got two different food trucks outside with uh, Casius uh, cheese truck and then the um, Chief Brody's Mon Me truck, which is best sandwich in the world. 
Um, then uh, we have Wix Forge, who does like our uh, metal bottle openers that we sell in the tasting room. Uh, it's gonna be doing coming, doing like a live like metalworking presentation kind of set up outside with big cool. heater going yeah. and sparks and awesome. craziness. You know, so it's gonna be like it's something to do in the doldrums of winter. Yeah. Get warmed up by a couple fancy beers and yeah. eat some good food. So this isn't even an event. This is a festival. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should have got tickets. What were you doing? Yeah, producer missed the boat yeah. on that. Way one. to go, ass. <laughs> um, but that, that's awesome because it's you know like yes, it's it's at your location and you know you have the ability to have more brews on tap and whatnot, and so people are you know noting that event with Blackhawk, but you're you're opening up the doors to however many breweries to come in and. And be a part of the Blackhawk family, oh, for sure. which is that's awesome. I mean, that's in the business world. That's not usually how it is. It's much more cutthroat. Like we don't want to be associated with anybody that's similar to us, and that's just it's not how it works in the beer industry. No, that's that's like we were saying. Even when we were at Cliffside a few weeks ago, everyone's. Have, have you been to Cliffside yet? Uh, I haven't. They're right, literally right around the corner from my house. Um, yeah. I've just had. I mean, I got two kids at home and yeah, work a lot, so it's like hard to get out. Um, my wife's been there a couple times though, but um, they've actually had uh, our coffee milk stout on tap. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We, we that was our first uh, like on-site brewery yeah. type of thing. We, we wanted to make sure we didn't start off with someone really big and, then, <laughs> and blow it bad. But um, they, they said like the same thing. Like you know, other breweries went in there. And we're like helping them set up, and yeah, they you know, got emails and stuff, and people, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't help. just like, hey, like you know, you put one of our beers on your tap type of thing. It was just like, hey, like we're great. It's exciting to see someone, you know, starting up, and you know, like you know, give us your business cards. We'll put them in our tap room, and this, that, and the other thing. And it's just it's exciting to know that the craft beer world is is more helpful of each other Friendly. than anything. Yeah, friendly. Well, it's nice too because I mean, people, you know, it's it's more. I feel like it's more along the lines of like, hey, don't drink, you know the Thimble Island American Ale, drink the Easy Rider. It's like, oh, if you like the Thimble Island American Ale, you'll probably like our, our, you know, and it's just like, if you like this, you'll like this. It's not, don't drink theirs. Theirs is terrible. And that's, that's nice because that's not how it is. Anywhere else. Anywhere else (laughs) for anything in the world. Sunoco's gas is so much better than Mobile's. It has a much better taste. Try clean. Try try clean. I actually have a question real quick. I don't know if we touched on this already. I just missed it. The name Black Hog. Story behind that? Oh, yeah. All right. He raised pigs. Where were you? (laughs) Yes. I lived in New Hampshire as a pig farmer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Hog huts. Hog Hog huts were everywhere. (laughs) Um, No, we, um, you know, when we decided to open a brewery, you know, email turned into a phone call, which turned into a business plan, and we're just trying to figure out what we want to call this place. We just started, like, spitting off, like, a bunch of different names, and, like, you Google anything, it's pretty much a brewery already. Um, So it was just kind of like... It's like the band theory. Yeah. The band Kendall has the band theory. Any, yeah. any, you come up with a band, any name you can think of, it's already taken. Yeah. Take. yeah, so it's the same idea. So we're trying to like figure out what we wanted to do. and um, So we kind of just took a step back and just all like stopped thinking about it for a while. And then uh, Jason came back where he uh, has his master's in astronomy and is a chef by trade and um, amazing cook. And um, when he has a, a party at his house or anywhere um, – whether it's his kid's third birthday party or his wife just got her master's, invite friends, family, neighbors, like everybody shows up. And so it's a huge get together. Everyone has good beer. Everyone has some good food and um, a good time in general. But uh, the best way to feed that many people, he does like pig roast. Mm-hmm. So he has these like open smoke, like a beautiful smoker that he does like whole, whole hogs on. And um, Mock's, no, Mock's no stranger to the, the, the pig roast <laughs> oh, family. Pig, roast. Oh, pig roasts are awesome. So, but, um, but the, one of the, one of the best uh, breeds, uh, is the Berkshire hog. Um, it's uh, jet black hair. Uh, has great marbling within the meat. It's like a heritage breed. It's just like a perfect pig to do a, a whole pig roast tour. Delicious. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's nicknamed the Black Hog. 
So it's just Blackhawk Brewing is just friends, family, beer, food, kind of good times all wrapped up into one. That's cool. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Invite everybody into your hog hut. Hey, everyone come <laughs> to the hog hut. We should... We might, have, we might have did something good here with the hog hut thing. I hope so. I like I that we're so. saying it again. Yeah, <laughs> hog hut. So, you know, obviously you have to like all these beers in order to put them out. You wouldn't brew something and then hate it and then be like, yeah, let's sell it Let's sell it in our tap room. But um, which one's your favorite? What's your favorite beer that you make? Usually the one in my hand. Uh, <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Yeah. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> it's very no, <laughs> Beer is very situational for me. Um, I mean, the Granola Brown's got to speak to you because you have all these beers at your disposal today, yeah. and you pour, that's what you poured yourself. Well, it was, you know, you wanted to make sure to have a, a quality, balanced starting lineup here, so I may have thought about that <laughs> along the way. See, that's one of the, the thoughts that went through my head. I yeah. thought about the time of day. It's this in the morning. Why, this is why we don't brew beer. Yeah, it's a, it was like in the morning, I just came off of coffee, so like, you know, I think a brown will be perfect. You know, like, yeah. that's what goes through my head every time I pour a beer. So now, like, it's kind of, uh, I go through, like, time of day, like, Time of year, what I'm, if I'm eating with it? What was the last beer I had? I kind of like because beer is an experience through and through. Like in it, what's on your palate changes in the next beer's flavor and stuff like. So it's just kind of a. Um, it's hard for me to. I mean, if easy rider is like I always. I'll have an easy rider day. Just kind of like, just to have like at lunch. I'll have an easy rider. Just kind of like lower ABV, um, or like at shift, like shift beer, you know, stuff like that. But like, I, easy rider is just my go-to like easy drinking it's kind of uh reminiscent of what like like my like my desert island beer that i don't make would be like the the Sierra Nevada pale ale you know like reminiscent of that kind of lower abv like pininess but like a different twist on it you know but um but i mean it's just like i I love i love all of them and it's just so like so situational it's hard for me to like pick out that one but if i had to like absolutely like gun to my head pick out one it'd be the easy rider so in terms of taste it's complicated and in terms of Close to your heart, it's the ginger ninja. Oh yeah, ginger ninja <laughs> close to my heart for sure. Um, and then my the 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 fifty percent of the hundred and fifty percent of business, I love the <laughs> granola brown because we sell a bunch of it. You know, like so it's just like I see that beer everywhere. Yeah, granola yeah. brown. Yeah, it's like <laughs> everywhere. It's, it's, our, it's our flagship and does really well for us. Um, and it's um you know brown. It's a brown ale. It's not one of the crazy over the top two hundred dollar a pound crazy IPA things. So it's just like it's. Uh, from a business world, it helps us out, and it's delicious. I mean, it goes with barbecue. It goes with you know, just awesome like you know, spicy food. That little bit of malt sweetness helps cut it a little bit. So it's just like, it's just year round drinker, and it's just a beautiful beer, and it's in itself that way too. So, it's nice because uh, I said I'm a I like IPAs more than any other style, but every brewery now has six to thirty thousand IPAs, and you guys are to narrow it down. Yeah. Your staple beer is not an IPA, and that's that's nice to see other things happening. Yeah, and it, that was a, I mean, honestly, a total surprise for me when I mean, I thought I thought I'd make a thirty barrel batch a month or something just to have a brown ale on tap, you know, because when we started, you know, two thousand fourteen, like it was it was treehouse everything. It was just like everyone searching IPA, IPA, more hops, more IBA, no more ABV, you know. Just so I was just I was expecting something else to take off, but it was just like it just kind of it just hit the ground running and didn't stop. And I was yeah. like, okay, I guess this, you know, and that's, I mean, I, I honestly thought our flagship would have been Easy Rider, but it's now it's uh, Granola Brown is our flagship. Ginger News is a close second, then followed by Easy Rider. You know, so it's just crazy to see, like, what the market wanted at that time. And it was just, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to keep supplying some Granola Brown to you all. I don't mean to interrupt, but I was finishing, like, getting towards the end of my beer, 
And there was there's a hog in the bottom of my glass. And was, what a great <laughs> thing to find! Around. Yeah, no, we got the. Uh, it's like very subtle. I was like, "What is that?" It's like, is there hair in my beard? And I was like, "Oh my god, it's a hog!" Yeah. And then we got the uh, the new glasses in um, with the uh, the laser etching on the bottom. So yeah, this is an awesome. So glass. It has like it nu- nucleation sites, so it kind of keeps the aroma coming up the whole time while no, you're drinking. What would it. be the name of this? You know, every beer glass has a different name, but it, it has like a nonic pint type of feel to it. I know that term only yeah. because. It's on the back of like every Goose Island beer I've ever tried. <laughs> Please enjoy an anonic pint. Yeah. Does this have a name to it, or is uh, it just a hog glass? No, it's um, it's uh, it's, there is a name for it. I don't know. What it, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it's like yeah, anonic pint would have like the bubble. Yeah. Anonic pint is officially a twenty ounce glass, and the bubble, that little bubble edge, is a it's lot much, closer to the lip yeah. and not thinner. Uh, this one kind of has a little bit of like the bulb. Uh, kind of like what a uh, like almost like a, a, a tulip glass would be, yeah. but instead of having like the skinny foot, it has like a sturdy base to it. So, and it was basically like I like we looked at a bunch of glasses, and I really like this one because it has all the characteristics to present the beer correctly with the the bubble to trap the aromatics, the curved lip to kind of hit your front tongue first, so you get any sweetness, and then it kind of goes over the the uh, etching on the inside to make sure the aromatics are still coming in there. It's got a good, uh, just but a good holding. It still feels like a pint. Yeah. You're not like yeah. you're not like a dainty little like yeah. Rastal <laughs> glass or something. You know, like you, know, you don't feel like you're drinking wine. You're still like, hey, I'm drinking a beer, but. The, the glass itself is shaped in the way where it makes the beer taste better while you're drinking it. It's a hog holder. It's hog a hog holder. holder. <laughs> the nonic hog. The nonic hog holder. That's the a great thing. It's like anything sounds good with hog. It's just the nonic hog. Good hog hut. The hog holder. <laughs> Actually, we could make koozies for the cans and call them hog holders. Mm, that'd be a good one. We you need a marketing team. <laughs> you guys are killing it. You work for beer. You work for beer. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> All right, let's do it. That's fine. Because um, I, I usually work for money that goes to beer, so we're just cutting out the middleman here. Keep the we, banks out of it. Can we, can we live here? Is that okay? Is it? Yeah, you gotta live in your hog huts. That's perfect. <laughs> I got a sleeping bag in the car. Get those get tension rods with curtains. <laughs> like, sorry, the tap room's closed. We're sleeping. So, we you, you know you mentioned you're a local guy, so assuming. Boston fan, mm-hmm. gross. <laughs> <laughs> if you yeah. if you go back and listen to some of our archive shows, uh, the majority of our cast is not Boston friendly. It's okay. It's okay. Well, provide some lively debate, perhaps. Yes. Well, I think Boston has really become like over. Really, really, Tom Brady's done it. It's been Tom Brady's doing. But I, I feel like Boston has kind of become one of those cities like you either love the teams or you just you just hate them with a burning passion. <laughs> I only just like one Boston team, and it's the Bruins. But so, what, what's your what? What sports so, do you follow? I mean, like, just a quick caveat. I mean, the Boston teams, like, you know, the Red Sox were shitty forever, and like they they won in like like hundred and something years. Shitty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like you know they had you know had the Moneyball thing going on there. Actually, when they won the World Series and all that, but it's just like I felt like as as a New Hampshire native, like fourteenth generation, like born and raised, like you know, following like the Boston scene, like I. It, me and all of my friends always just look at like the Yankees and be like, oh, they just bought all the best players. That's why they keep winning. And this, it was all like, hey, Wall Street, change some money. Get to get, oh, we'll trade this guy. This guy sucks now. I'm going to pay more money for this guy. And just like, hey, we won the World Series again. And it was just like, it wasn't, it wasn't scrappy. It wasn't like actually playing the game. You're just like, hey, we'll just like from every farm league buy the best person possible and <laughs> <Yep>. then <laughs> put him on the, you know. So yeah, it's just yeah. like, that's just like it kind of, um, I don't know, the Boston's more, like, nitty-gritty, like, you know, Irish, or, or like, you know, yeah. back... Through back, the system kind of guy. System, make, you know, you, you start out in the, the farm leagues, work your way up, and become a star. You don't just get bought, you know, and move to New York, and then win a World Series, and have to shave your beard, which is always stupid. That's the worst <laughs> thing, having to shave your beard. Um, but, um, I feel like we're talking about a specific player. Johnny Damon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he's all right. He's all right. But, you know, just like, so that's just like... <laughs> as, as, as a caveat, that's kind of like us... us 
Bostonian fans always looked at the New York as like, and across the board, it was just like, hey, they just have a dick ton of money and they just buy the best players. And it's just well, kind of what comes down. It's funny you say that because, so like, I'm not a Bruins fan, but that's only because I get, I'm from Chicago, so I'm a Chicago fan for everything. So as a Chicago fan, I get a lot of shit from Bruins fans because the Blackhawks beat them in the Stanley Cup. It's like big fucking whoops. You're going to hate everybody that beats you. Like, then you hate everybody. But we have Kendall over here, the Red Baron. He, he's a, a loather of the Patriots because they destroyed the, the Steelers, his favorite team, in like AFC championship games forever. Three times. Yeah, he hates the Celtics. Heartbreaking being in sixth he, grade watching your team lose. <laughs> he hates the Celtics. He, he hates the, the Bruins mostly because of Zdeno Chara. Yeah. Why do you hate the Celtics? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think you just uh, kind of rode the, the hating of the Boston. <laughs> I, I, I think like, so. You don't really hate the Red Sox, though. I don't feel No, it. in fact, I actually, during the, the time, like, 04 and all that, I was really, it was kind of the underdog story, you know, because the Yankees had dominated for so long and the Red Sox suffered for so long that it was exciting. The and Bills are a Mets fan. The Buffalo Bills <laughs> effect. Yeah, exactly. The Bills Rooting for the Bills because the Patriots always win. Yeah, yeah the and Bills uh, are 201 the win. That's yeah. right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm, I'm almost indifferent to the Red Sox. I have no gripe. Either way, you know, so. It's funny because growing up, I hated the Red Sox because I, I grew up a Yankees fan. But now, like, I, I look at the game more as a whole. So, like, I don't like the Red Sox because I'm a Yankees fan. But there's a lot of players on the Red Sox that I like. So I'm, like, caught in the middle. But go Yankees. And you're you're a Bruins slash Rangers fan, which is great for the hockey community. Yeah. See, the I was a Bruins fan because I liked two of the players, and they traded both of them. So that kind of went away. Now you're but, <laughs> but for me, it's like it's interesting because our view, while it does have its own bias effects in it in terms of teams beating, you know, our favorite teams or whatever, like the Steelers and the Patriots for the Red Baron here. But we're kind of in the the weird spot of Boston fans because it's especially in Wallingford, it's a lot of Boston and a lot of New York. Yeah, but. In New Hampshire, it'd be interesting to go to New Hampshire to be in New Hampshire for something like this because up there it's it's true Boston fans. Like there's right. no you know there's nobody up there like you know it's not bo- you know oh we hate the Yankees and this and that because you know on top of hating the Yankees division rivals your next door neighbor's a diehard Yankees fan and they beat you forever. But like you know Boston and up yeah. it'd, be, it'd be in a more interesting. It's a more like Boston environment than right. where we are. It'd be like being split. in New York City or being in right. Chicago. Yeah. So it's interesting. Never really thought of it that way. Maine though. <laughs> well, Maine has the the Portland, hockey everything. The, the Portland Sea Dogs, which is the feeder program for the you know for yeah. the Red Sox. So yeah, there's still Red Sox fans up there too. Maine is Maine is just Canada. That's yeah, all. Maine it's just it's just Canada. hockey everything. Let's just sell them. It's just <laughs> the, the, you know I don't know how Maine doesn't have an NHL. You team. give us Newfoundland, we'll give you Maine. Newfoundland, <laughs> New, Newfoundland. Well, Newfoundland, Newfoundland. You're lucky we don't have our private stock here because you'd be you'd be slamming it. Let's relax. <laughs> Newfoundland? That sounds like an amusement well, park. T- we'll trade them and then we'll make Newfoundland, Newfoundland. <laughs> okay, that's right. McDonald's play places everywhere. You so know. clearly a Red Sox fan. Yep. Do you have a favorite player from, from your, your generation of watching baseball? My generation. Man. Um, so like 24 years? You're only 24. <laughs> I made that number right now. Made that number right now. I mean, it would be... Johnny Damon. No. <laughs> I mean, man, that's a tough one. Like, you go way back to like Wade Boggs. Because I remember growing up like... My grandfather gave my first taste of beer as like Milwaukee best out of his big, tall. This guy's an advocate of the the best, but yeah, like you know, drank the foam off the top of it. But like he was he was an avid avid Red Sox fan, and like I remember just sitting. He like every game he'd be in his chair watching front to back every game, and um, he had a, a signed Wade Boggs 
like eight by ten black and white that he gave me. That's cool. Um, you know, so yeah. it was like a. I'd have to go way back there. It would probably be my favorite player. Of all is Wade Box the guy that claimed drank to a drank lot of 160 beers, beers or something and then went out and played the yeah, next he game? he crushes. Yeah. <laughs> and he did part of that, I guess, on a flight. It's funny. The brewer, do we believe this? The brewer likes Wade Box. <laughs> yeah. do, we, do we believe this? Do, we, do you believe he drank? What was, what was the number? Do you know off the top of your head? I want to say. I think it was 72. I, I want to say it was around that, 72. Do you think he drank 72 beers and then played the next day? And sure. Hit, hit a home run. Sure. You can That's do that. a lot of beer. Well, I mean, he was. I just—I'm not even concerned his, about the alcohol content. I'm concerned about just fullness. <laughs> no, his beers were—you know—they were probably like you know lower ABV, yeah. like macro lagers. Yeah, you could drink 72 macro lagers in a day, all day. So here, someone is saying, I don't know. We may have to open up this page. He says 100 beers, which is—that's too flat of a number. It's got to be. I know on the uh, I mean, if you get to 100, you just keep going. See the episode of uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." I think it was 72 when they tried to. Mimic I feel like it's got to be a denomination of a popular like amount, like 12 or 30. Like, yeah. like it's got you know it's not gonna be like I can't oh believe there's that much beer on the airplane. Well, <laughs> he's Wade Boggs. He's doing <laughs> he wants. They set it up. They set it up for him. Yeah, I mean it's not like it was like oh hey I'm just flying from you know Albuquerque to New to you know so Sacramento. Give me a hundred beers. It's hey I'm Wade Boggs. I'm gonna do what I want. And you're gonna let it happen. <laughs> so here's what we got. It's 64 beers on the flight from Boston to LA, but a hundred beers in 24 hours. Oh my god! So that's the legend even, of this. That's like even more amazing because, like, you know how drunk you'd get on a plane, high altitude. Oh my god! Yeah, good so for this guy. I was looking last night because me and my uh, brother were talking. There was another rumor that Andre the Giant once drank like 124 beers. That's in different a though. He's huge. <laughs> Have you seen a 12 ounce can in his hand? It's like <laughs> it's like it's so small. It's like you holding like an ant. There were stories that he would take two like liters <laughs> of vodka just to feel a little warm. <laughs> Well, the guy was, but look how big he was. It was a plus side of seven, and what, he had to be he had to be almost five hundred pounds, if not more. He was a giant, he was literally, a big guy. literally, he was a, big he was guy. a giant. So, what other what other sports do you follow besides baseball? Um, I used to follow basketball a lot when I was younger. I've kind of just like ever since having kids and not the money for the full cable package to watch everything. <laughs> um, I'm Nickelodeon's kinda, pretty expensive. No, no, we yeah. just do the free streaming stuff because it, but, uh, but yeah, so it's just like, I haven't been able to just have find the time, but I mean, like, I mean, the Celtics definitely growing up watching. So bird. The bird. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bird pairs combo was awesome. Um, is Kevin McHale part of those teams? Yeah. Yeah. Do you expect me to know that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Kevin <laughs> McHale, yeah, yeah. But then, I mean, you know, Paul Pierce and, you know, when after that was kind of like I watched a little bit of that, but it was just kind of like he was, you know, he worked so hard and really only didn't win much, you know. But yeah, yeah, it only it took making a super team. Yeah, exactly. Until they, so he worked for many years before anything happened with him. But yeah, it was, I mean, in when I was uh, in high school, like well, middle school to high school, like basketball was my jam and followed it and right in the heyday of Jordan and all that and the yeah. And that, you Did know, you play back, sports growing up? Yeah, I played. I dabbled in pretty much everything. Uh, I was a really great JV All Star. Um, yeah. I did uh, my only four year letter is golf. I love golf. Yeah, yeah. It's like it was because I love golf, but not that good at it. Yeah, I'm really bad at it. I can hit the ball pretty far, but I also hit it very left. Wow. So like, so you right or lefty? So you're slicing or hooking? I'm gonna go ahead and say slicing. So you're a lefty coming out from the. This I'm side? hooking. <laughs> yeah, so you're hooking. Good. So you want to just take your hand, top hand. Roll it over a little bit, kind of show more of your palm as you're coming through. That'll fix your little left. Or drink more beer. Or drink more beer. <laughs> so I'm thinking we buy beer from here, growlers, <laughs> and go to the driving range. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now. Yeah. No, I'm not kidding. Let's oh, do it. No, it's so cold outside. <laughs> yeah, it'll warm you up. The beer will warm you up. What are you, what are you saying? You're saying you're not down to have a good time? 
I'll do it, but it's cold. We're, we're taking Tyler with us. Yeah. He's coming with us. I, I do have to do a tour at 1 o'clock, so. <laughs> we'll make it back. Rebecca, yeah. Yeah. Rebecca, Rebecca will you do the tour? <laughs> no, we don't have to be on the call. Right, Rebecca, will do the tour. This is a <laughs> tank. That's all <laughs> metal. <laughs> this is where the beer bathes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good one. Beer bathes in the bathes. tank. Yeah. So what do you, what's in the future for Black Hog? Any... What, what's coming up for 2018? Uh, you, I know you mentioned the uh, the logger. Yeah, hog, the hog logger. logger. Hog logger is a big one. Wow, kinda, it's so good. I'm so excited. Yeah. That. Hog thing is awesome. Yeah, had, just add, I mean, adding another beer to the uh, year-round availabilities is going to be um, an, an interesting challenge just on the brew schedule side because it's just like it's a logger, so it takes longer. And if it takes off, it's just going to be make sure to have enough of it in fermentation you know, to make supply mm-hmm. it. But it's going to be it's going to be fun. That one's I'm excited about that one. Um, and then uh, yeah, I mean the bunch of different disco pig stuff coming out this year which is gonna be awesome which is kind of and um, i'm really uh i opened up some of the uh, we have these little pcm seven barrel tanks which are kind of half batch so you can do like a half batch in our fermenters and uh, i'm opening that up to um kind of assistant brewers and stuff like that to start writing up some recipes so there'll be some really cool like brewery only like draft and draft and growler fills for the tasting room from coming up this year which i'm excited to see what the guys come up with because i mean that's like as as a brewer, you you always have beer ideas, and I mean, not that I'm out of them, but it's just fun to like let other people get their ideas out, out like out in liquid, you know, because it's it's an art, and let them have some. It fun can with inspire. It. Yeah. yeah. Are tap room laws similar to bar laws, where you have to be 21 to be in the tap room? Yeah. Damn I mean, no, well, no, you can. You we we allow we allow kids to come in. I mean, you have to be. You can't just let them run around wild. They could be supervised. <laughs> but yeah. well, I meant more like like if I were to bring like my 18 year old brother and have him just be my designated driver. Oh, that's cool. As long as he's not this is the problem beer. for me with breweries. I don't want to be responsible when I go, but neither does anybody else I hang out with, <laughs> i.e. these assholes. Yes. So, no, because Rebecca <laughs> wants to have fun, and she's a lightweight, so it's like one beer for Rebecca, and she can't drive anymore. So, it's... We need to find a friend that was an alcoholic, and is now in remission, and can't drink anymore. As terrible well, as that sounds well, to put them around re- the re- remission kind of sounds like cancer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like, it's called recovery. recovery. See, when we were younger, Rehabilitation. When we were still underage, our friend Vito didn't drink yet. So he was our driver all the time. And it was super convenient. Then he started yeah. drinking and that went downhill. I think the, the real problem is is we just we all need to save up our money and we need to just get someone somewhere in the group of house. No. Someone in the group of house and we just gotta make like a forty two tap system in the basement. <laughs> But like growler taps, so we don't have to worry about the beer going stale. <laughs> It'll get finished. <laughs> I was gonna say, Kendall won't let beer go bad. You know? As long as he's got, a, as long as he's got a bathroom nearby, he's good. <laughs> I'm like the beer czar. <laughs> the beer czar. No, we have. Uh, I mean, that's kind of like the idea behind, like someone, like the whole beer tour bus people that do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. They set up these beer tours and they drive a bus around. and You stop at three breweries throughout the day, and then they get ba- drop you back off your car at the end of it. You know, like or it's kind of a that's your whole idea, like right there. The people are people are doing that now. There's a couple of them. And, Definitely, there's three or four of them up in up north, and there's a Connecticut beer brew bus doing it down here now too. I know how it would go for us if we, the three of us, were to do it though. I'd be very hyper on the bus ride. Kendall would be agitated; he's not currently drinking, and he'd be sleeping. <laughs> asleep. Yeah, <laughs> machine washable. It would be sleep. Anytime there isn't a beer to be had, he'd just be sleeping. Notorious for that. Yes. Yeah, he fell asleep at the wooden tap bar one day. And the diner. And the diner. <laughs> yeah, he's just so not to you know. I, we talked about uh, the more family aspect versus competition. So. Um, Outside of Black Hog, who would you say is your favorite local Connecticut brewery? I mean, it's it's hard. I don't again, two kids. I don't get out too much, but uh, I mean, if I stop and um, I again, it's similar to which my favorite beer because I I like different breweries for different reasons. Um, but I mean, like Counterwakes makes some really great beer. I mean, 
he's uh i mean great great brewer he just kind of he's known he's known for his ipas but if you drink like his pilsner it's just sublime um he makes a really great grisette um, yeah, I've never, i haven't been down there yeah and it's I'm a cool pretty, place i'm pretty sure the only beer he's still distributing is um the headway right yeah and it's just like that's i've had the oktoberfest from them which yeah, is pretty good that was that was a good one too yeah have you but guys made an oktoberfest we haven't made one. Um, I was thinking about making one this year, but it just I'd do it in March. The man of many names. We'll have to bring him down here. He's yeah. a big Oktoberfest fiend. Yeah. Yeah, that we, and just any other gross domestic yeah. brew. Weird <laughs> He's not really apt into the the beer world. Yeah. He doesn't really he doesn't really grasp the concept yeah. of good flavors. Yeah. We'll try he would him. just we'll drink this and be like, "Ugh, it's dark. I don't like it. Yeah. Dark. <laughs> it tastes like darkness. Yeah. <laughs> no. it tastes like my future." Uh, but I mean, like Stony Creek right now. I mean, they're. Their their location's gorgeous, and they're um, they're they're introducing because of their location in the state for one, but how beautiful their location is. They're in- introducing craft beer to a lot of people who've never tried craft beer. Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, and we need people well n- that haven't another, drank craft beer to try craft beer. And well, get name into another it, you brewery know? where you can park your boat and then go start drinking oh, yeah, beer. It it's fancy. It's very fancy. <laughs> yes, but it's uh, but yeah. Uh, I mean, Andy Schwartz, the head brewer there, is a good buddy of mine from up north, and he's uh. One of the more like beautiful, consistent brewer and making very, very consistently very drinkable beers. So, um, and I mean, like then you get like I mean the Kent Fall stuff. It's really cool how they're doing like something different and unique all the time. And um, I mean, just there's I haven't got like I've gotten a handfuls of the beard stuff. And I mean, for like the hopheads out there, he's definitely making some fun stuff. Um, and I mean, it's just kind of trying to branch out and try them all really it's it's a uh, like like i forget who was a uh, charlie papazian who's uh the head of the uh america uh, the home brewers association um uh, which be- in turn became the brewers association um he was like his answer to that he's like oh, i always like he's like you travel around the country like what beer are you drinking he's like whatever's local that is just like you gotta try something like air like even now hyper add hyper local to that but like drink something like that's in your backyard see what it's about and see what like your water chemistry within your area can produce for beers and i mean one of the big reasons girl brown tastes good here is because of our water chemistry like if we made it somewhere else it wouldn't taste the same and it's kind of like where like i think our water is more suited to darker beers and the yeah. ipas don't get me wrong they're delicious but like we're not we don't have ipa water you know so it's yeah. kinda, it's, it's, it's a it's amazing we're learning so many things yeah i didn't realize there was an ipa water versus <laughs> like i mean i mean i get it i get what you're saying yeah the, absolutely. the content of the water type of deal yeah. but yeah well we're, we're about out of time um, it was great being here. Uh, make sure to come visit Blackhawk Brewery. Yeah, come down. Um, again, they're located in Oxford, Connecticut, 115 Hurley Road, Building 9A. So we learned today that when you come in, make sure you drive all the way down to the end. That's yeah. where they are. The GPS gets a little spotty. Yeah, so the GPS, for whatever reason, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've been made aware of this problem. It puts you on a different road because it's technically closer. <laughs> so... Look for Hurley Road. Yeah, uh, no, it's um, it's off eighty four. Yeah, we we actually tried to move the Google pin multiple times, but um, uh, the easiest way, uh, if you come on coming off of eighty four, you turn up the airport access road towards the Oxford Airport. Um, which if you don't never heard of the Oxford Airport, it's a little nice little puddle jumper uh, airport here. Didn't hear about it till yeah. today. So, um, <laughs> but if you look, drive up the a- air- airport access road and take your first right, it'll bury you right in the woods, and it'll be much easier to get to you from there than getting a dead end into a wooden trail that they tell you to get out and walk. <laughs> So, we've tried to move the pin. Swear to God. Swear to God. <laughs> uh, you'll have to correct me, Tyler, if these hours are wrong. I'm going off of Google right now. But uh, tasting room hours to close Monday, Tuesday. True. Um, open 4 to 8 Wednesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. 2 to 8 on Friday. Mm-hmm. 1 to 8 on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And 1 to 5 on Sundays. Yeah. Uh, our social media expert, Machine Washable, will post all this information yes. along with the show when it when it's 
set to air. Uh, beer reviews? Tyler, do you want to do a beer review? Um, my beer is amazing. <laughs> Good. Try it. Um, yeah, what, what, do you, what do you want to review? I'll review anything. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, Mark and I, do we, we both have the IPA? Or yeah, you had the Easy Rider and he oh. had the Hogwater. Yeah. Pay attention. So, I'm sure, I've had the Hogwater before on another on show, show, so I've never had the Easy Rider and was a huge fan. How many, of those, how many of those you can see yourself drinking in an hour? Uh, infinite. Infinite. <laughs> infinite. I like to, uh, infinite. Wade Boggs amounts. Yes. <laughs> the Hogwater's great. He, he hit the nail on the head. A nice citrusy flavor. I liked it a lot. I just can't articulate. That's my problem. <laughs> I know you can. <laughs> oh, sorry. Would you just do yours? No, my curiosity yeah. would be like, what would you want to be eating while drinking those beers? Hmm. Pig. Pig is Pig. good. Do we have one? Is there a pig? <laughs> no, Kyle couldn't come. Uh, you can't I say mean? pig or hog uh, but it's, or it's any a, variation it's of swine. I, I've, I've been brainwashed. I really want like pig, like cold pork right now. You can say a, hot dog. That's what, the only exception. Like I give a margarita you. pizza. Would a margarita pizza be? It, it would. I could see myself eating margarita oh, pizza. Well, garlic note. Yeah. Shout out to uh, the Nard Dog on the Office. The margarita <laughs> pizza. Uh, so I, you know, I was. We were talking about this, Tyler and I, before the show. This intrigued me a lot. I've never seen a fruit milk stout before. And this was fantastic. Very subtle on the peach. Um, I got a lot of it in the aftertaste, but very, like, I don't want to say, like, thin as a, in a negative sense, but it, it was. It was, like, it was thinner. It was easier to drink. I could see myself having more than, you know, two, three, or four of these. I could see myself having 400 of these. <laughs> um, but it was really good. A lot of good flavor. Um, it really stuck with you every sip until the next sip. Like, you, yeah, the flavors were there. And... Was a big fan. I love peach. Peach is my favorite thing in the world for yeah. for fruit flavors. Oh, peach and I mean, is so and it's good. the thing different with that beer specifically using the actual fruit. I mean, it was from uh, Drazen Orchards. Um, we got like um, a bunch of peach seconds and you know cooked them down and put them in there and like putting them in the barrel and then letting kind of the secondary fermentation happen um, it consumes kind of the fructose sugars, leaving behind just the essence of the peach. And that's where you're like getting that post nasal, like after the swallow, like what kind of mm-hmm. hangs out. And um, and a lot of people are. They're like, oh, I hate fruit beer. I was like, well, what? They're like, they're talking about like some macro brewer that's dumping in fruit extract and it yeah. tastes like cough syrup. You know, like, yeah. yeah, I hate those beers too. But this is actually made with fruit and right. it's like used the right way. And, and it's I'm, not, adds I'm a layer. not usually a fruit beer fan because yeah. more times than not, every time I've ever had one, it's too fruit forward. It's way too sweet. But this is this is very good. It's very subtle. I think you'd like it. You're not a big stout guy, but I, think I would you'd try like it. it. Well, there's none left. Um, <laughs> you should make a peach cobbler reduction with this. I would eat that. Every time you say peach, I hear that song from the 90s. <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> the uh, peaches song. <laughs> yeah, the peaches song. President of the United States, right? That's it. Um, I'm trying to think what I'd want to pair this with. And for some reason in my head, and I don't know why, all I can think about when I am when I was drinking this, I was thinking about having macaroni and cheese. <laughs> really? I don't know why. That's crazy. I, I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> I don't I mean, know why. Cheese. Cheddar, creamy. I mean, we're talking like sharp cheddar. No, mild macaroni and cheese. Nothing crazy. Right out of the the box. Yeah, I mean, if you were to make a homemade, like maybe like a Colby Jack. Okay. Something on the more mild side. I don't know why. The whole time. I couldn't tell you why. Now I want to drink it with drink that with some macaroni and cheese. You gotta try it. I gotta try it now. Also, you know what else I think would be really good with pancakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pancake. Especially because I'm not a syrup guy, so I don't feel like the, the maple syrup would, would, would yeah. conflict with the. I, I don't really put a lot of syrup, if any, on my pancakes. Usually, just a plain pancake guy, Satan. I get a lot of looks nice in the diner when they're like, "Oh, do you want maple syrup?" No. <laughs> awesome. Um, social media. 
Yes. No, I don't want. I don't want to know. They can. Know, they know where they can find us. You'll tell them later. Where can we find you? <laughs> find me. Uh, yeah, blackhogbrewing.com. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and um, Blackhog Beer. All of those. Um, Do you want to give your home address so they can send you fan mail? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Send it, send it. You can send it to the brewery. I can, I can get address. I'll get it. Don't I'll worry. Get it here. Don't worry. It'll get delivered. Um, but yeah. So just um, yeah, we're just we try to keep on top of the. The social media best we can and uh we do have a mailing a mailing list here too so you do come visit uh sign up you'll get a first heads up of like stuff going on in the brewery and get a get an e right in your inbox so that's awesome where can they find us machine you can find us on facebook and instagram at getting sports with drunk and twitter is gswd underscore four make sure to use the hashtag gswd for all your daily uses whether it's shagging up in a hog hut or enjoying a nice food be- uh, beer pairing and subscribe on Podbean and iTunes, and we're on the Lieb Sports Network every day from 7 to 8 a.m., and every Sunday from 12 to 1 on the PPRN Radio Network. Very, very exciting. Um, we hope you all like the show. I'm glad Hog Hut was worked into this. I'm also <laughs> glad I got to use the word shag in a show. I don't think I've done that before. Um, it just came to me. But um, we'll definitely be back here again. Um, I wish our producer wasn't an ass face and was able to get us those tickets. We need more to on top of stuff, okay? No, next, no, next no. year, we're the first one to own tickets. Uh, the first one? The very first one. He's going to be here tomorrow. I hope you know that. <laughs> yes. He's going to be here tomorrow. Like, I have next year's yeah. tickets already. Can I have them now? Well, from all of us here at Getting Sports with Drunk and Black Hog Brewery, I'm your host, Cupcake the Riddler. Tyler Jones. I'm Mock. And I'm the Red Baron. Meow.